This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Nixon, Head of Content and Research. My guest today is Luke Leslie of Carbon Neutral Royalty. We're going to be having a conversation about uh, carbon offsets, where the market is today, where it's going, uh, some insights into what is changing for the better, and uh, you know some of the partners who can help you along the way. I'm really excited for this conversation. Luke, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. <laughs> We're going to be talking about carbon offsets, and uh, it's a big topic of sustainability, of course. I also think a lot of people don't really have their head wrapped around some of the challenges involved. Why don't we start there? In the current state of carbon offset marketplace, you know, what are some of the things that people aren't thinking about that are actually quite challenging? Everyone today has climate targets that they need to meet in a limited amount of time. But there's a big problem. And just to give you one example of that problem, there is a limited pool of carbon credits available. So um, to, to put that in context, last year, 300 million tonnes of credits were, were issued in the, in the voluntary market. One company, the oil and gas company Shell, uh, has committed to, to buying 40% of that entire volume every year from 2030. So how is everyone expected to meet their climate pledges if there aren't enough carbon credits to go around? That, that's just one example, but I'll tell you the other two uh, big, big problems with, with the space, which we have a solution uh, to, uh, to, to corporates. Um, so the other two big problems are, uh, one is quality, there is a big question mark over the integrity of, of a lot of these credits. And lots of people will remember the Vatican climate forest, which resulted in phantom trees never planted. Uh, and no one wants to be caught up in the weekly criticisms of well-intended global brands who are, who are doing their very best to fight climate change. Uh, so there's a question mark over quality. You need to have a very, very good filter. You need to be able to identify uh, the good from the bad. The third uh, big problem with the carbon credit market is that it's really complicated. There's over 200 ways to generate a carbon credit, and those, those methods are evolving all the time. You know, whether it's biochar or it's seagrass restoration, these are totally different methodologies. You need to, have, uh, you need to be able to run deep analysis in order to decide where you, where you uh, invest your money. I think uh, another one as well, I mean, you mentioned oil companies have a, a huge mandate to go out and buy these big blocks, but every other company, are they going to hire a full-time person whose job is to find 50,000 credits here and 40,000 credits there and lump them together and hope none of these projects goes off the rails two and three years down the line? Like, it's a very complicated thing. You're absolutely right. So you, you have, so the two uh, kind of major problems there, one, are, one is the skill sets, you know, how many people have these capabilities um, in fast evolving, multi-categories. So that's the first thing. Can, can every corporate seriously go out and develop their own uh, conservation projects or restoration programs? I think it's, it's uh, not very likely just in terms of the, the skill sets that are out there. Um, but you, you also have another issue, which is one of reputation. Because as soon as you start moving away from your core business and, 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 and you're, you're interacting directly with communities and um, local stakeholders, you're always going to have reputational exposure. Not everyone's going to like what you're doing. And I have this, uh, this, this, um, you know, this analogy that, that, I, that I use. It's a famous painting by, by Goya, the, the artist, of two men who are so busy clubbing each other that, that they don't notice the quicksand 
swallowing them. And, and that's a little bit how the, the voluntary carbon market works today. No one's happy with, you know, none of these solutions are perfect. Um, and the best thing you can do is increase the, um, increase the auditing, increase the, the third party uh, science and expertise, and companies then uh, leverage that as opposed to recreating it themselves. I think that does paint a, a pretty clear picture that the current state of it is unacceptable and, and that means it has to be evolving because this isn't a thing that's going away. It's something that people are taking more and more seriously. I understand your organization has a, a pretty interesting idea for where this market is going and, and how to actually make it a, a working system that is going to be a benefit to everybody. Yeah, look, don't, don't get me wrong. The, the, the voluntary carbon market is an amazing tool uh, for, for change and, and it should be the tool to plug the $4 trillion dollars that is needed for, for nature restoration. And you know, I've been in this market since 2004. I actually started off uh, in, uh, in the carbon uh, world when, when I was a management consultant. And it's matured massively since then. You know, so it's, you, you, the conditions are now right uh, to, to scale this market. And, and what you're seeing now is, is this is the benefit of scrutiny. So this is you know, very welcome that, that people are, are really scrutinizing how it works today. And it requires some, some additional improvement. Some of these categories, these carbon solution categories, won't survive. And that's a good thing. But this is, this is the market. This is the, 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 the tool uh, for, for wide-scale change. And I think people should embrace it and, uh, and work together to, to improve it. Absolutely. And so what exactly does your organization offer uh, these corporate entities to, as you say, there's a scale issue, there's an expertise issue, there's a headcount issue. I mean, you know, you don't necessarily want to set up a whole department whose job is to do this. Maybe there's a, a partnering organization they can sort of offload some of the responsibility onto as long as there's trust, as long as there's documentation and they understand what's going on. Walk us through that. Yeah, so what we do is, is we find and we finance the best in breed carbon assets out there. And this takes a huge amount of, of uh, analysis we run very deep analysis across the, v the VCM, the voluntary carbon markets. We filter all the different carbon solution categories and the categories that are most impactful, the, the categories where corporates should really be allocating money. We then, we met, then map that whole universe of developers. And then most importantly, we enter into exclusive carbon partnerships with those best in breed developers. And we, we provide them with the money to first of all, uh, develop high quality, premium uh, uh, carbon assets, and then we scale them. So it's quality first, then quantity, and no compromise on reputation. That's what we do. We, we cut through the complexity for the corporates. They can come straight to us. We've done all the hard work, and they can co-invest in these projects with us. That's what we offer them. And there's also a guarantee of the timeline as well, because this isn't something that you're doing each year from the start, and then you're done. And some of these projects go on for decades. These projects go on for a very long time, and there's a long lead time to getting, it up, getting them up and running. So you have to start today. You know, if you're planting uh, mangroves or terrestrial trees, you know, these don't start to capture carbon for a long time. So you know, a conversation that I have uh, very regularly with, with corporates uh, goes along the following lines. They, they tell me about their brilliant plans to reduce their emissions, but they have no plans to neutralize their residual emissions. And you, you can't you know, wait on the sidelines today and, and, and decide in five years' time you're going to come and do this. One of the reasons uh, for this that we haven't discussed is that there's a dynamic that's happening in, in this space that people are not following. They're not, they're not spotting this. And it's one of concentration and consolidation within the, the developer universe. So I'll give you, just give you an example of that. 
the top five developers have historically issued 20% of all carbon credits in the VCM. Two years ago, they were all independent. Today, only three are. And that's because corporates that are ahead of the curve, that are, that are up, up the learning curve, are buying those developers. That means if they own them, other, other companies can't own them or their credits. That's a big problem. So, so where are they? You know, it comes back to, the, to the, what I said at the beginning. How is everyone expected to meet their climate pledges when there aren't enough good quality credits to go around? And there's, and there's a, a diminishing number of developers that are manufacturing these credits. I would be interested in hearing about your organization's story. I understand you've been in this space a long time. Um, how did you get started? What are you doing now? What are some of your priorities? So I've been in, an, in an, and around the carbon market since 2004. Uh, in 2004, I worked at Accenture, a management consultancy. And uh, when I was there, I actually wrote a patent on how you consider the true valuation of a forest, which incorporates many of the revenue streams, including uh, carbon credits, uh, which that became, as I said, a, a pattern owned by Accenture. Um, so that's how I started. What's, what's brought the team uh, together at Carbon Neutral Royalty is a passion for biodiversity, but also the oceans, particularly the ocean's potential to be a major contributor to solving our problems with climate change. Uh, our, our team comes from the likes of McKinsey, Bain, uh, Goldman Sachs, it's, it's highly analytical and passionate individuals uh, applying their skill set to analyzing the voluntary carbon markets uh, for, the, for the benefit of biodiversity, the oceans and climate change. You spoke a little bit earlier about uh, partnering with corporations to, to invest in these kind of projects. Can you expand upon that? Yeah, for, for us, the, the, the key thing is to affect real change. And that comes with partnering uh, developers with, with money. And uh, ultimately, a, a lot of our funds today come from pension funds, North American pension funds. But what, we, what, what we're really interested in doing is bringing companies into the mix so that they can directly invest in these important projects. They can do it with us, alongside us. And that's something that we talk to corporates about today. There's a lot of interest. And if there, is, uh, if there are companies that this really speaks to, We'd love to hear from them. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not just the right thing to do. It's also good business sense. I mean, this is something that is making their lives easier as good corporate citizens. Can we speak about that? Yeah, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting comment because what we find is that uh, the, the more difficult the jurisdiction that you're operating in, the more you're compensated uh, for operating there. So very unlike an, a, a classic investment where you look at political risk. Um, here, some of the, the communities that really, really need this, uh, this funding that uh, you, I'll pick as an example, mangroves. Where mangroves are planted, it's, 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 it's typically around the equator where they exist and where they've been degraded. Uh, the local communities rely on fishing, uh, typically, just as an example. And if, if those mangroves are removed, then the local communities really suffer. So funding into those types of projects and jurisdictions has massive impact uh, for communities. That translates into the price of a carbon credit that a company is prepared to pay for. So companies want maximum impact, they'll pay for that, and that funds much needed projects. And of course, you're collecting data all the time that then feeds into their sustainability report, their ESG reporting. Um, there really is uh, some concrete takeaways from this that help them make their business case that they are changing. That's right. And historically, what we found is there hasn't been enough data that corporates really need 
to assess impact. And so it's not just the, the, the quality of the carbon curve and the, and the carbon capture, but it's you know, what's going on at the, at the community level, what's going on at the SDG level, biodiversity level. So what we do is spend a lot of time looking at baselines and collecting the data that corporates need. And you know, essentially what they can do is lift all of that data and content and put it into their sustainability reports. So we, we make that a lot easier for them. But the, I think the most important thing about that is that they can have confidence that what they're buying has a real impact. You know, we've covered a lot of ground in this conversation. I wonder if there are two or three things that you would like people to take away from this uh, discussion and, and think about a little further. I think the most important thing for, for companies to remember is that they can make their climate pledges today. They can secure high quality carbon credits at attractive prices. And they, so they can lock in uh, these kind of uh, terms today without waiting tomorrow when they don't know uh, what's available and what the prices will be. Don't forget, every company, company that makes a net zero commitment creates a contingent liability, and they don't know how they're going to extinguish that liability. So that's what we offer companies. We've done a lot of the heavy lifting. We can show them uh, which carbon assets they should be spending time on investing money in and where their carbon credits are going to be coming from. For people who have been listening to this who might have some questions, uh, interested in maybe partnering with your organization, what is the best way for them to get in touch? Two best ways would be through our website, which is carbonneutralltd.com, or to contact me on LinkedIn. I'm Luke Leslie. I'm the CEO of Carbon Neutral Royalty. Well, I encourage everyone to visit that website. I think it's a great resource for getting started and, and seeing what some of the options are. And uh, I also always like to you know, say, hey, when someone has made their LinkedIn available, if you've been listening to this whole thing, you must have been enjoying some of the insights he has to offer. Clearly, he's a wealth of knowledge in the space. Uh, you should reach out. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.